Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I know as listeners, you've been listening to me for about a year and a half now on this show, but I continue to be inspired by all of the heart-centered leaders that I'm meeting around the globe. Today, I want to introduce you to an amazing woman that I met from someone else that I had on the show, and we'll, we'll have to bring that up during our chat. Her name is Karen Took, and I'll tell you what I love about her. I love the alignment and synergy that I have with her, and I really, truly believe in my heart that you'll see through our conversation, she is such a beautiful, authentic, yet transparent, heart-centered leader. She has developed an innovative mindfulness-based leadership course and retreat. She has conducted this retreat with organizations across the globe, and she has over 20 years of experience. She's worked with various Fortune 500 companies, including Libris and Google and Siemens. And I could go on and on about how wonderful she is, but I'm sure you tuned in today to listen to this conversation. So Karen, I'm so, so grateful. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. You know, your work inspires me and we met through a fellow colleague and friend, uh, Addie, that I also had on the show. And she said, the more I talk to you, Deb, the more I realize you need to connect with with Karen and and here we are. So I want to start off with my leadership questions because number one, I want to say I'm in awe of the work you do. I think we're in, we're in similar parallels, if you will. And my first question is, it's kind of a two-part question. I want you to unpack for our listeners what mindful leadership means, but I really want you to also explain the relationship between mindfulness and leadership and just share from your heart and take as long as you want, because I think this is such an important topic, especially now to talk about as we continue through unprecedented times. Great question. And I will try to unpack it. So first of all, being a mindful leader, it means being able to listen to ourselves deeper and to our customers into our employees, into the changing needs of the market. And from this place to create more places that serve our employees and enable them to thrive and grow and bring their added values and creativity to our organizations. And also creating the offerings like services and products that serve our employees, our customers. So it's coming from a place of deep listening to ourselves. And you know, and as we are listening to ourselves deeper, we are also being better individuals. And you know, this is what amazing about mindfulness that it impacts all our aspects of our lives, right? It's not only I'm a better leader, I'm also a better mom and a better spouse and a better friend. So it creates a better, a better version of ourselves. 
it's all encompassing. Like you said, it's all the relationships we are from being, you know, a baby in this world to wherever we land in today. And that presence is so important. And I think the unprecedented time that we've seen as a global society has really allowed some openness to, I'm going to say, unstretch or unleash around business acumen. Because listening to ourselves, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, is still a trajectory and a modality for our decision-making. So I love that you've incorporated this and are, and are getting to so many corporations around the world, especially with their senior leadership and their C-suite teams. Now, my second question has permanent residency on the show. So I think we've interviewed over 145 leaders and everybody has got this question. It is my favorite. It was part of my mindfulness to create the name of the show being Imperfect. So share with us what imperfections that Karen brings to her heart-centered leadership. Uh, so, you know, I'm a human being, as every, each and every one of us, and I have my own emotions. And sometimes I, yesterday I facilitated a course and, you know, we start a course with a reflection. Each and every one says what it took from last week and how we implemented it during the week or what emerged during the week. And I told him, you know, I didn't succeed this week be mindful because someone, I was really frustrated and I acted upon my frustration, acted in an angry way. And then what I did succeed, I did, I was mindful to it afterwards. And this is what being mindful, you know, we can only succeed at the moment, but the fact that I was reflecting about my behavior and then I said, okay, I didn't feel well with it. And the day afterward, I wrote this person and WhatsApp. I was his client. You can understand he gave me a service, but I was his client and I was frustrated and I acted uh, emotionally. And I wrote him, look, I'm really sorry for acting like this. I was frustrated. I know that you did your best. However, this is what I felt. And he wrote me back, you know, you're amazing. I'm also sorry that if I took the, I talked to you in an unpleasant manner. And for me, this is what being mindful about and vulnerable and imperfect because I'm not a perfect uh, person, you know. I have my challenges and sometimes I can manage my emotions and sometimes they manage me. However, the ability to pause and to be authentic and having the integrity to look inside and say, okay, I don't feel comfortable about the way I acted. And then always find going back to our balance, to our core, to our center and acting from this place. This is for me imperfection and that's great. And I told them, you know, although I didn't succeed, but I did succeed by being compassionate toward myself. Because in the past, I would have criticized myself all day long. And now I say, okay, I, did a mis- I made a mistake. That's okay. I said, I'm sorry and continue on. So, you know, in a, every time when we start a course, it's amazing, the reflection, each and every one starts by what it didn't succeed doing. And I say, look, it's amazing, but you did succeed this part. So put your attention there. It's like what we spoke at the beginning. So it's where we are putting our attention because always there are challenging and we're evolving and we're growing. But if we know to take the lessons and grow from it, this is amazing. And this is for me what being mindful and imperfect. Well, and I'll tell you what I love about that is you made a couple of really, really good points there. The first one is it's interesting by default that our reflection always starts with a negative. And I I see that a lot in the work that I do. And it's just interesting that we carry that on. I almost want to, I almost want to say it's a bit of a generational value that we have to learn to shed. We've learned it from someone. 
I also think it's a brain, you know, I, a brain guard us from, uh, to survive. So this is the way it's the carrot or the stick, you know, so we are wedded to see the, the negativities. This is the survival mode, but I think this is the transformation that we are going through. We need to go to the, the thriving mode and change our automatic patterns that served us in the past, but don't serve us anymore. Well, and I think the other point that, that you made that, that is often, you know, a conversation that I have with C-suite leaders is no one consciously wakes up in the morning and makes it their goal to go into work and not be a nice person. Life happens. And sometimes, and your, your example was beautiful from how you felt you behaved during the course, but you processed it and realized I'm going to be compassionate with myself. I'm going to apologize. And then you made that conscious decision again to move on and not let it be a remnant in your day. And I think that's where people get stuck. It's when they, they, they hold on to things that happened an hour ago, the day before, a week and years, and it still shows up in their day as a repetitive pattern of behavior. And that's where mindfulness is so good to really release all that. So such a great example. That's right. I only want to, I only want to correct you. I acted like this, not during the course. It was between the course with a vendor of mine that gave me service and I was frustrated, but I did took it as an example in the morning to share with them, to show that I'm also not perfect. And I also didn't succeed. And that's okay. You know, it's part of the process, but I did succeed in being compassion toward myself. So I really agree with you. It's, we need to learn to let go. Well, and more, you know, and the bigger message here is, is mindfulness is part of your brand, but you have the behavior that makes the brand. That's what's important, right? So I love that you shared that story with your clients and you're, you're out there with your pom-poms cheerleading about imperfection, which I love and which is why I wanted you on the show. Uh Now I know the world is talking about the resignation boom and I have to kind of raise my hand and say, I don't really fully believe we're in a resignation boom. I think the world has become mindful that they have a choice. If they're working for an organization and they're not happy and it's not a fit, they're making a choice to leave. So one of the things that I know you love talking about, and I'm excited to ask you is in speaking to the people listening that are in leadership within an organization or may own a business how does an organization or any size employer create a workplace that will not only attract employees, but that will give them that openness and mindfulness to stay and retain them? So, you know, I think I agree with you. I couldn't agree more that people are not going back today to the workplace because they want to feel meaningfulness and they want to invest their time in a good place. And it's amazing what's happening right now. So, Leaders really need to create workplaces that engage their employees. And they can do it, first of all, by creating a workplace that sees the employees, that the employee feels seen. And, you know, if I'm going through a tough time, even if my manager will sit with me and will listen to me and will ask me, how can I be here for you? That will be amazing and it will do the job. Because people, first of all, want to be, to show up completely to the workplace and feel they are seen and not that someone uses them to increase their bottom line. Another way, people want to feel community, you know, part of something bigger than themselves, bringing their value to a bigger uh, vision, creating this kind of community and connecting people beyond the functional work, but by deeper connections also makes the impact because people will want to be part of it. Because what gives us meaning 
is to feel that we are having an impact on what we are doing and that we are connected to others. So these two crucial elements that I think leaders, uh, employees will need to, will want to be in this organization. And another thing is to see where your employee wants to develop, toward where he wants to develop. Maybe he doesn't want to do what he did till now because he finished it. It doesn't make him happy. It doesn't make him meaning, meaningfulness anymore. And by listening to him and seeing where he wants to grow and evolve and tailoring a new job, this is the way you will maintain your employee and engage him and you want to stay with you. And then also the company will evolve, you know, at LinkedIn. This is how they have a new job description. Uh, Scott Chad is the head of mindfulness and compassion at LinkedIn. Just retired, but he was there for a long time in, uh, at LinkedIn. And it came to a point that he said, okay, I'm meditating. I want to bring it to the company. And the CEO and his manager enabled him to bring this part of himself to the company. So it's amazing. He grew and the company grew with them. And there was alignment. And this, I think this is the agility that organizations and leaders need to embrace nowadays to see how to engage your employees and retain them by enabling them to bring their added values and to grow with them. So this is a really crucial point that I think leaders need to implement in order to maintain them. No, I agree with you. And I think, you know, sadly enough, we had to get through a pandemic for this to kind of rise to the top. But I believe the outcome as we, you know, slowly work towards getting to the other side of this and, and getting back to whatever our new normal is, I think more and more companies are embracing this because I've had CEOs say to me, well, it's kind of woo woo and it doesn't have a place in leadership it's all being rethought because psychological safety in the workplace is at the forefront more than ever now, especially with all these hybrid models being implemented and people are slowly transitioning back to work. So very interesting. And, and it's lovely to talk to you on the other side of the world and we're both seeing the same thing. So that's comforting for me. Yeah. Okay. My fourth question, part of my heart-centered leadership model is all about leading from I think two places, presence and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to share how you personally arrived at this leadership value and how and when you knew when to implement it. You know, it's amazing. When I wrote my book, I meditated and an example from the past came to my mind and I understood that I need to write it in the book. And this is, and I did it before I knew to define what I'm doing. I did it automatically, you know from my presence. So I will share with you the story. It was like 15 years ago already. We worked as a, we were a few consultants that we created a leadership program for a, a really big bank company. And I got a, each organization consulted, got a group, had a group to work with them during the two days. And at the beginning of the session, the management team came to me and told me, look, you have a really challenging manager in your group. You have our consent to take him out of the room. If you don't, if you can't handle him, you can let him go. I said, okay, that's strange, but thank you for letting him know. Then I started the day and I immediately I understood what they were talking about. It was cynical and really, it was really unpleasant. And, you know, a lot of people went with them. And then I got to the end of the day. I went home and I told myself, Wow. I'm not continuing like this another day. And then I asked myself, okay, but if I will take him out of the room, what is my work worth if I'm 
I don't uh, handle this challenge. So this wasn't an option. Another option was to continue business as usual. But for me, this also wasn't an option. And then I decided that I would start the day by sharing with them my experience and being vulnerable. I didn't know it's called vulnerability and authenticity. I didn't know anything. I only knew that I can't continue like this and it won't be the right path to go, letting it go. And then I opened the second day and, you know, I, I couldn't know in advance how they would react because they were really cynical and angry. And I started by saying, I asked them, how are you feeling? And they said, okay, great. And you? And I said, I want to share with you what I, I'm going through, what I felt after yesterday. I told them, look, I really felt uncomfortable. I didn't feel comfortable in the way that things go, grew yesterday. I really hope that you don't let anybody talk to you as the way you talk to me. And I let it go. I didn't judge them. I was only putting myself out there and continuing the, the day. And you know, it was amazing. The, the person who I was challenging was engaged that I didn't believe. He took the initiative and there was all in. And they really connected to what I said. And even at the end of the, the session where they sum, a summary that each group showed presented and he le- led this presentation, I was shocked. And at the end of the day, the management team came to me, asked me, what did you do to this manager? It was amazing, the transformation. He went to only in two days. And I told him, you know, I didn't do anything. I only saw him. Because afterwards, when I figured it out, what I did, I didn't judge him. I didn't blame him. I only showed up with my authenticity and I was vulnerable. And I think they could be empathized with my feelings because actually this is what they felt. So I was compassionate with them and I didn't judge them and only put it there. So it touched them and they felt seen. And from this place, I engaged them, but not in a cynical way, in really an authentic way. So for me, this is what being vulnerable and authentic means. It's all in our approach. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we hear the cliche, we can do hard things. We can say hard things in a heart-centered way. And that's what you did. And sometimes... People don't realize that their tone could be a bit harsh or maybe, you know, they're hearing it in their own ears when they're speaking and they're not realizing it. So what a lovely example to turn a situation around. And at the same time, you learning more about your own leadership style. So it's kind of a win-win, right? That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to switch to my fab four. And these are just four rapid fun questions. We just want to know what's sitting on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. So here's your first question. Tell us something that we don't know about you. That I started surfing in the last year. I love dancing with my kids at home and by myself. <laughs> well, that sounds like two fun activities. How, yeah. And are you, are you considering yourself to be a proficient surfer now? Not yet, not yet. I have way to go. (laughs) If at first you don't succeed, right? Try, try again. I love it. Now I'm going to ask you what your favorite book is. And I know, I know you just wrote your book and we're going to put all the information in the podcast episode description below for everybody to go check out your new book, but share with us a book that you've read in your life that really touched your heart and why. When things fall apart or Pema Chodro, she talks about how we can handle the adversity in life and uncertainties. And she, you know, she went through a divorce when her husband divorced her, and then she found a path 
I don't remember when I read it, but I remember that it really impacted me and gave me a fresh perspective and a wider perspective and handling tough situations and connecting to our hearts. As a, a young girl, I closed my heart. I didn't want people to enter in and to, I guarded myself. So I started the process like 20 years ago, connected to my own heart. And I think I read this through my transformational process and gave me perspective and how to connect to our heart and the importance of it. And so this is what I really love. That's beautiful. If I could give you one wish today for something to change the world, what would it be? I wish to change the business world. My vision is to create the, this organization will be a platform for humanity development. And from this place, we can have great co- uh, companies, great um, connections, fulfill ourselves and have great life and meaningful one and seeing each other. So this is actually my vision. Well, I love that. And, and I'm on the other side of the world, locking arms with you. So let's, let's do great. it. <laughs> So before I ask you my last question to close out the show, I just want you to know that I'm grateful that you chose to be mindful to spend time with me today, to be open and honest and vulnerable and share your heart. And it makes me feel good that I'm in Canada and you're on the other side of the world. Are you in Israel as well with Addie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and here we are. Uh, leading with our heart and exuding heart-centered leadership every day. And I'm just happy that our paths cross. So just know that I'm, I'm super grateful to you. It's really touched me what you say right now. And I'm also really appreciative. I believe like attracts like, and I, the more amazing people I meet around the world, they point me in another direction and, and connect me with someone. And, and I think that's how together collectively all of us that are mindful leaders are going to create that vision that you beautifully spoke of. So I'd like you to close out the show by answering this sentence for me. And this is something we started new for season two. The sentence is this heart-centered leadership is being vulnerable. You've been listening to the heart-centered leadership podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.